Good morning. I'm going to ask some strong guys. I don't even have to ask. I just show up and they, they move stuff for us. Isn't that awesome? So, well, let me um, share an announcement of our own. Ladies, you guys have known we've got a uh, ladies retreat coming up in April. We have officially picked a guest speaker and we have a theme. Who wants to know about it? Okay. So um, our guest speaker is a lady by the name of Tanera Garvin. She actually works and has worked for Andrew's ministry for a number of years. She is their international director of operations. Does that make sense? Anyway, she is a Karis graduate, and she is a lot of fun. I was at the Women Arise conference in October in Woodland Park, and uh, Tanero did one of the classes, one of the, the breakout sessions, and I was like, you know when you just get someone. So Tanera Garvin is going to be our guest speaker, and we're going to do a, uh, the theme for it is Open Doors. So open doors, ladies retreat. Some of you have already pre-registered because you got your ticket at the Ladies Festival of Tables. Um, if you go to lakehaven.tv, you can register anytime up till uh, end of end of February. Sorry, I had to remember when it is. So end of February is the closing window for your registration. So you have a month to register. The price is $180 for uh, per lady. That includes all your accommodation, your food, the fun, and everything that we're going to do. Good? Okay. I'm going to say something that is maybe a little bit premature. Can, can I say something a little bit premature? Girls, before we go on our trip, the boys are planning something. That's all I'm saying. I'm not allowed to say anything more than that, but that means, guys, you need to pay attention. If you're not planning to come to the men's breakfast on Saturday, I would highly recommend that you do because you're going to want to know what I didn't tell you. <laughs> so um, why the table on the stage? How many of you were here two weeks ago when we started doing full house? Good. Everybody's toes doing okay? Good. I, I started out two weeks ago mentioning how difficult it was to even raise the topic that I raised because I did not like it personally because it was like God was talking to me and he was having to address me and I didn't like it. And then I had to think about why I didn't like it. And then I didn't like why I didn't like it. Anybody else have that experience from that week? Was there any like, oh, hmm. Sometimes I do behave like a toddler. You don't have to raise your hands. I'm not asking. I'm just saying if you had that response and you felt like I don't like that, I'm in the same boat with you. So the, the topic that we're doing today is called Full House. And... Uh, we're in God's house. And we, what we know is God's house is more than full. It is overflowing. If you watch the TV show, do you remember what they would yell when the doorbell rang? Anybody remember? The Tanner family had a front door that any time the doorbell rang, somebody would yell, It's open! It's always open! Remember that? That's God's house. The front door is open. He has a name. His name is Jesus. You cannot enter any other way but through Jesus, right? So is the door open? 
Yes, always open. So we spoke about the dining room table specifically because we had a couple people at the dining room table. We have the infant, the baby. We have a child, an adolescent, and in this particular family, we had an adult. You remember them? Michelle, Stephanie, DJ, and Danny Tanner. Now, we're not preaching from a TV show. I just wanted to put those in perspective, right? Uh, those of you who are here, this is a quick recap. Um, specifically, I wanted to mention, before we completely jump in here, everybody in this house, every child, and believe it or not, the adults are children too. Any adults here not being a child? For real, any adults here not being a child? Are you still a child even if your parents are not here? At very least, you, you sh you're invited to be a child of God, right? Okay, so at every house, at every table, every seat is part of the family, loved, accepted, and valued, and at a different maturity level, stage, with different needs, wants, and roles. Let's pray for a second. I need to pray for me. Father, thank you that even on days when I do not know how mature or immature I am, when I do not want to admit that I'm pitching fits about things that are not important, when I'm sitting in an eye chair, when I'm focusing on myself only and not regarding anyone else or caring about anyone else. Father, I thank you that you love me, that you love us, regardless of our immaturity, regardless of our maturity. You don't change how you feel towards us. You have loved us before we even joined your family. That is why the door is always open. And Father, I thank you that today that good news settles into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so around this table, um, there is sometimes whining. Anybody being in a whiny church? Don't raise your hand. Anybody being in a complaining church? Anybody being in a tattletale church? Come on, guys. Anybody being in an arguing church? door slamming church anybody being in a i can't hear you la, 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 la. anybody being in a oh it wasn't me no 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 lying church anybody being in a i'm just not gonna do it church now i'm not asking you to point your fingers at somebody else because the truth of the matter is you can't do anything about the other person I cannot make my ex-year-old, I can't even sometimes make myself do things that I should do, right? So in other words, I should put the ex on me. I'm the ex-year-old. You're the ex-year-old. We sometimes cannot even get ourselves to do the things we should do, even though we know we should do them. How many of you drink enough water? How many glasses should you drink? Do you? How many servings of vegetables should you eat every day? Do you? I'm just saying we, we, we have this head knowledge and we don't put it into practice. And 
I'm guilty. Shannon's guilty. Brian and Colleen, Danielle and Shannon, I mean, Danielle and Ethan, I can talk for, for our household. We all do things that we know we shouldn't, and we don't do things that we know we should. And God still loves us. Praise God. Okay. Let's go here. Uh, John 1, verse 12 in, in the ESV. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The door is open. Uh, Ephesians 1, 5 and 6 in the Passion says this, For it has always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for the no more than he loves you. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Yeah, but I'm not Jesus. That's why Jesus is there. Because we need a savior. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. I love that word there, unfolding. It's not done yet. It's still, un it's still, we're still in the process of finding out how good this good news is. And I don't care if you've been saved for 85 years. I mean, they, I know Miss, Miss Charlotte's 98, so maybe she has been saved for 99 already. That's right, she just... Wow. So it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. You're still unfolding. Okay. Let's take a look at Philippians 3, verse 12 through 16 in the Passion. I admit that I haven't quite yet acquired the absolute fullness that I am pursuing. Can anybody say amen? This is Paul who's writing this. And this is, he's not writing this at the beginning of his ministry. He's writing this after he's already planted a whole bunch of churches, gone on a bunch of mission trips, and is now writing to say, listen, I, I haven't got it yet. Why would Paul be the standard of uh, almost all of the New Testament if we think we've got to be as good as Paul and yet Paul's going, I haven't got there. And we put ourselves in disqualified because we're like, ah, we're, we're never going to be Paul. And yet Paul says, I'm not disqualifying myself. Listen to what he says. Not disqualifying myself from the race, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make me his own. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all that is past and I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. There is one door. There is one way that you get the prize and that is through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to him or to them. I love that there. 
he is admonishing us, if you're mature, those will be your passions. That'll be what you're doing. You're running your race if, if you're mature. And if you're not, there's grace. He says here, God will reveal it to them. So maybe you're sitting here today and saying, that is completely foreign to me. I don't know what you're talking about. It's okay. God has a plan for you. And God wants to reveal his plan to you. He's not trying to hide away from you. He's really not trying to keep things secret from you. But you might be looking in the wrong places. You might be looking in places, you know, the bathroom cupboard instead of the snack drawer. Okay, don't anybody keep snacks in the bathroom? There was a time before I married Shannon that I used to keep chocolate in the bathroom just because I could. I was living by myself, and sometimes I wanted chocolate wherever I was. And if I was in the bathtub, I wanted to be able to have some chocolate. So I was an adolescent or a child. I don't remember what that is. Okay, say after me, I have arrived at the conclusion that I have not arrived. We're all on the same journey. How rude. You guys remember that? Stephanie always says, how rude. I'm not trying to be rude to you. I'm not trying to be rude to me. What I do know is we are on a journey. And if you feel like you're sitting down in the road, you have an open road in front of you. You have not got walls in front of you. Now, you may have a path that looks like, hey, I've got I've to figure out where I'm going here. God is not trying to keep it secret. He's trying to reveal it to you. Will you listen to him? Because he, he's the guy uh, at the Survivor Games who's standing on the platform, and he can see where you're supposed to go. And he's saying, go left. No, 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 go left. Instead of what you're trying to do because you think you're supposed to go right. You're blindfolded. He's trying to tell you where to go. Will you listen? Will you listen? Man, it's quiet in here. <laughs> Let's define mature. Mature. I, I wrote grown up, but I don't know if that's right. Um, mature. Any mature fruit is ripe. It's ready to eat. Uh, a mature tree is able to produce fruit. Isn't it interesting? A tree produces fruit, but the fruit isn't mature automatically. The fruit has to grow up. It has to mature. It's part of a continuum. And what I love about the picture of fruit, and I don't know where my fruit tape, I had my fruit bowl somewhere. Anyway, I had fruit that I was going to bring here today. We have inside of fruit the potential for a whole nother forest of fruit trees. What do you call a forest fruit trees? Orchard. Thank you. The continuum isn't from seed to fruit. It is from seed to many more seed to many, many, many more seed. That is how God works. So if you start looking at your life like, well, I'm just, I'm just 
a beginning and an end. I have a date on the front of my tombstone and a date at the back of my tombstone. That is not how your life works. First of all, that's just this body, but you are eternal. You are eternal. Will you live forever with God? That's up to you. The door is open. It's always open. The Greek for mature as teleos, uh, brought to its end, finished, wanting nothing. Nothing necessary to completeness. Perfect. That which is perfect, consummate, human integrity and virtue of men, full-grown adult of full age and mature. Those are the biblical definitions for that word, the Greek word. And then it's got a sister word which is very similar. So these two words, one of, it, one of them is an adjective, a describing word, right? A word that helps you understand, well, he's a mature 21 or he's an immature 99 right? It's a describing word. The other one is a verb. It is an action. To make perfect, to complete, to carry through to completion, to accomplish, to finish, to bring to an end, to perfect, to add what is yet wanting in order to render a thing full, to be found perfect, to bring to the end the goal to accomplish, to bring to a close the fulfillment of an event and of the prophecies in Scripture. There's a, a third word that literally has one definition, and that is perfection. And guess where it is? It says Jesus is the perfecter, the, the author and perfecter. He is the object or the perfection. Is it us? Anybody got perfect kids? Some people's Instagrams and some people's Facebooks and some people's, you look like you got perfect everything, but we know your poop stinks too. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter if you want to look good. This fruit on the table here, we're legit real oranges. If they were fake oranges from Joann's or Hobby Lobby, could I eat them? They look good. They don't taste good. You know what else they can't do? They cannot reproduce. Anybody got a shiny Christian? Look at me, Christian. Except there's absolutely nothing yummy about their interactions with brothers and sisters. There are no people who want to be around them. And there are no relationships that are being fostered, that are being raised up. There's no mentoring. It's just fake fruit. I'm guilty. I have done that. Why? Because I didn't want somebody to say, you're immature in this area. So instead of doing the root work. I went to Hobby Lobby and bought the fake fruit. Bless God. I'm not calling your name out. I'm calling my name out. I have done that. And guess what? It sucks. Because you can't eat the fruit. There's no yummy taste. 
and you can't put any seeds in the ground from it. Man, all those not fake smiles right now. I love it. First Corinthians 13:11 ESV says, "When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways." In the King James, it says, "I put away childish ways." It's got three things that he says there. He's talking about speaking like a child, thinking like a child. And reasoning like a child. Anybody reasoned with a two-year-old recently? Or a 15-year-old? <laughs> or with yourself? Anybody had to get on to yourself about anything? We don't say that. That's not nice to say to people. I have to say that to myself sometimes. We have to... Um, parent ourselves. We have to speak to ourselves like a two-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old, sixteen-year-old. Sometimes you do have to go to bed. You do have something in the morning that you have to be up and ready for. No, you cannot spend a thousand dollars just because you have it. This is part of that process that I'm talking about. I'm trying to make it very practical, but I want you to understand that you are. In the process of becoming, as are every child across in that building right now, they're learning and watching other people model, not how to do it because it's the right way to do it. I could tell my kids all day long, "You must eat broccoli. You must eat your vegetables. You must. You must. You must." Is it because there's a box to check that says broccoli? Is it because they need what the broccoli provides in their life? But I don't like broccoli. Okay, then eat cauliflower or asparagus. But you need what's in it. You can't just eat sugar. I'm going to tell tale on my son because he's not here today. He's been texting a friend, and yesterday, literally, I had to tell them, "You guys are texting." Like they had listened to this a thousand. Text messages yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, in one day. I'm like, how, how many messages do you have to send every minute? This is from both sides, of course, so this is combined. But still, a thousand messages. I had to say to him, listen, three teaspoons of sugar in your coffee is good, but 1,432 is not good anymore. You. Too much of a good thing is not healthy. You cannot keep doing this. Love you, Ethan. He did write back a very sweet text me. I actually text him that. That listen, I actually took a screenshot of the the thing that showed him how many texts he had, and I said, "Uh, that is not okay." So he texts me back, "I'm sorry, mom." So I said, "Why don't you make them meaningful and do like 20?" And he writes back. Uh, 75. <laughs> That's a negotiation skill he needs to learn how to how to make, right? So, I'm part of me is like、uh, no, but part of me is like thanks for asking. 
First Peter uh, chapter 2. Why does God want to bring us to maturity? First Peter 2.2 2 in the Passion says, In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. Fully nourished and strong for life. That is the maturity goal, is the fully nourished and strong for life. Is that because that's the end of your race? No, but that's what you're going to need. You're going to need to have strength. Because guess what? There's storms coming. Jesus said, you will have trouble. There will be storms. But if you haven't got your roots down deep, your tree's going to blow over. Actually, he spoke about sandcastles, but you know what I mean, right? You will have trouble. But in that scripture there where it says, crave spiritual milk of God's word, why does he start with that? For infants. They start with milk, right? Why is his word the first place to go? Not the last place, the first place. Because that's where you start getting nourished. That's where your roots break ground. That's where you get established. Second Peter 3, verse 17 and 18 in the Passion says, As for you, divinely loved ones, since you are forewarned of these things, be careful that you are not led astray by the error of, of the lawless and lose your firm grip, roots, establishment, in the truth. But continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May he receive all the glory both now and until the day eternity begins. That you know, they the, the often use just that second part, that eight, verse 18, where it says, continue to grow in God's grace. But they don't actually do the 17 before it that specifically says, watch out as you continue to grow, that you don't get led astray. It is very easy, sadly, in today's world to get distracted, weighed down, overwhelmed, Luke, six, uh, excuse, Luke 8, verse 14. You guys are familiar with the story because Shannon always preaches about it, but he preaches from Mark 4. I'm just going to read one verse here. This is from the parable of the sower, but I want you to see what it says here. The seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own desires, I think, I'm not reading, I'm reading it from the screen. Um, by their own anxious cares, the riches of this world and the fleeting pleasures in this life. Cares, riches, and desire for other things. Anybody got cares? I got cares. But am I going to let them choke me? How do, I, how do I let them not choke me? Don't keep shoving them down my own throat, right? How do, I, how do I stop something from taking over me? We sang it in that song. We've got to bring our focus back to what he has done, the fact that he loves us 
even if we screw up, even if we're messed up, even if we're immature, I don't have to go, I'm not immature, because, well, that's immature. <laughs> so, <laughs> in fact, um, if you ask, well, why do I have to read my Bible? Or why do I have to pray? Or why do I have to go to church? Why do I have to, why, 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 why? Kids ask why a lot. Sometimes so that they can understand and sometimes that they can justify not doing it, right? Give me a good enough reason to. If God has to tell you because I said so, it's because you're actually too immature to get it yet. You're sitting in the eye chair and he's having to go ahead, put it in your mouth, chew, chew, chew. If God has to tell you because I said so, it's because you do not know yet that his plan for you is good and that what he knows is more than what you know and that he wants you to have an abundant life. He's not trying to take anything away from you. In fact, if he says, don't go that way, it's because that way hurts you. He's like, don't go down the thorns. I, I know it's longer. Go around this way. You'll make it. But if you go in the thorny path, you're not going to make it. You're going to end up with scratches all over your legs, and you're going to wish. That's why I wore these pants today. The thorny path. My daughter says to me, I wore them yesterday. She goes, oh, Mom. Because this is my first pair of pants that have got holes in them. She was very proud of me, and she's not even here. To, Danielle, are you here? <laughs> These are for you, Danielle. Okay, let's get back to where we were. Luke 8, 14. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. Let's go back. I'll read the whole scripture. The seeds that fall on the weeds represent the hearts of those who hear the word, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares, the riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of this life. Man, there's some fun stuff that we can do in this world. But if that's what we're chasing, we miss out on the best stuff forever. You know what? You can go on as many sightseeing tours as you want to. When you get to heaven, you're going to be disappointed that you wasted all your gas. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Because when you get to heaven, you'll see all those places for free forever. Now, if you're going and doing mission trips and sightseeing at the same time, you're good. You're good. You're good. Tell people about Jesus. Populate heaven. I'm good with that. But think about it. If your goal is pleasure in life, how are you any different from the hedonists in Rome that Paul had to address. I just want to live my life and be happy. Sure, but you might need to redefine happy according to what God says because he knows what joy is. He knows what peace is. He knows what abundance actually is. It's not money. When God says the deceitfulness of riches or the desire for riches, he also talks about in different places about the, the, the love of money. 
is the root of all evil. Money's not bad. Money's a tool like a knife or the internet. It can be used for good stuff too. But if you live pursuing that, you're not getting through the door. You're not getting to the reason that God created you. Well, well, I think there should be money in the kingdom. I agree. I don't disagree at all. The Bible tells us that God brings wealth without sorrow. Wealth without sorrow is God's way. If you're sucking it up, are you doing it God's way? I don't know who I'm asking this to. I'm sorry if it hurts. God's got more for you. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. Beloved ones, do not remain as immature children in your reasoning. As it relates to evil, be newborns. But in your thinking, be mature adults. So in my, as it relates to evil or wickedness, be innocent like a newborn. Some of us go, well, I've seen too much to now be innocent. I hear you. I know a God who restores. If you're going to use that as a crutch, it will hamstring you. It will stop you from experiencing the peace and the joy and the abundance because you're choosing to use that as a crutch. What you have seen and what you have gone through does not define your future unless you let it. Can somebody say yes? It sucks to hear it when you're like, but, but, but I've got real reasons that I'm allowed to be bitter or angry or disabled or whatever it is. I want to hold on to my excuses so that I can be right instead of experience life. You can't have both. You can't have both. Um, Dwayne Sheriff, some of you know who Dwayne Sheriff is. He's one of the, the uh, he's, I think he was at, at the, the GTC two, three years ago. Anyway, Dwayne Sheriff is one of my favorite pastors. He is, um, he's a wild man. He's got a bushy gray hairdo and he's fun to, to listen to. But he, he recently did a series that I, I actually wanted to go and find out if he had done anything on this topic. And he has a whole six week series on the topic like well I can't do six weeks but I'm going to give you this nugget and I want you to hear it immaturity is like a Trojan horse it destroys you from the inside because when you're immature you don't know that you're immature you don't grow you don't know how to discern good from bad you will choose poorly, suffer consequences from it, and go, I don't know. Anybody got some of those, I have no idea how that happened. It just, just landed on the floor. When our kids were little, um, they would say, it fell on the floor. 
I'm like, but it was in your hand. Yeah, but it fell on the floor. I'm like, it is an inanimate object. It didn't fall on the floor. You dropped it. No, it fell on the floor. Okay. It. What is milk? Whoa. What is milk? Let's go to Hebrews 5 verse 11. We have much to say about this topic, although it is difficult to explain because you have become too dull and sluggish to understand. For you should already be professors instructing others by now. Some of you have remembered the by now series or the by now message that Walker did. By now, like there's an expectation of growth. There's an expectation of being ready to teach others. Yet, instead, you need to be taught from the beginning the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You're like children still needing milk and not yet ready to digest solid food. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. Why do they use that word, pierced? That sounds painful. Anybody got any ideas? Why would we use a word like pierced there? Because it's literally getting to the very heart of something. Going to church is not the gospel. Singing worship songs is not the gospel. Having a fish sticker on your... Well, I don't even know if they sell fish stickers anymore. You know what I mean? WWJD bracelets, worship hoodies, whatever those things are. Those are not the gospel. Your righteousness by faith. Whether you're... This person here in this chair is righteous by faith in the family of God. In other words, this is the place there where they're getting pierced with the revelation of righteousness. That's where they're getting the cravings for the spiritual milk that says, tell me again who I am? I'm, I'm, I'm God's child? He doesn't mind that I have poopy diapers? For a while, I mean. Okay, next question I want to raise here. So we know what milk is. It is the revelation from God's word that we crave. Now, if you've never had that, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not saying you're not mature. I'm just saying, would you check in with your dad and find out what's on your diet? Because Shannon and I, we can put food in front of you, but only you can eat. I can even say... Open up wide. Oh, come on, open up wide. But if you spit it out and say, I don't like it, guess who's hungry? Not me. No one can eat for you. No one can grow for you. Only you can do that. What is meat? Um, this is interesting to me, and I did steal this from Dwayne Sheriff. I'll give you credit, Dwayne first time. Next time I preach it, I'm not giving Dwayne credit. You know the story of the woman at the well, uh, John 4. We're not going to look at the whole story, but I'm going to pull out this very end here. 
John 4, verse 27 through 29. At that moment, his disciples returned, and they were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared ask him why or what they were discussing. Wussies. They didn't want to raise a hard question with Jesus. Anyway, all at once, the woman left her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, Come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the one we're waiting for. Jump down to verse 31. Then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some food they brought back with them, saying, Teacher, you must eat something. But Jesus told them, I have eaten a meal you don't know about. Puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss amongst themselves, did someone already bring him food? Obviously, Jesus heard them. To clarify, Jesus spoke up and said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. In the King James, it says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So when you're mature, able to eat the solid food that he talks about in the other scriptures, it's to do the will of him and complete what he has begun inside of us. Do we do this without him? You cannot. You cannot do it without him. Somebody quote me. Not that one. He's the vine. We are the... Without him, we can do nothing. We can bear no fruit without being connected to him. So what is your job? Make fruit. No. Get connected. Right? You cannot do it on your own. You have to be connected to him. I want to go back to that scripture that we read a little earlier here. Wow, I've got a lot of verses. Man. Ephesians 1, 5 through 6 in the Passion Translation. It has always been his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that his tremendous, huge, magnificent, overwhelming love cascades over us, that cascades over us, would glorify his grace. It would make big of his ability working in me. Not my ability. Grace is God's ability working in me to do what I can't do on my own. In other words, grace is me saying, I'm going to hook up with Jesus because he's the source. And when I just let him flow through me, fruit happens. The picture of the, the fruit of the Spirit that we read in Galatians 5, all those fruits, they're not, they're not a aspirational thing like oh I need to I need to get all of those fruits they're a byproduct of living in a relationship with God of having a vital life union 
So it's not like, oh, well, I need to make sure I've got the checklist so that I know what they are. Everybody know what they are? You know the song? No. You don't even have to know the song. When you know the source, the fruit will be there. You will have love. You will have joy. You will have peace. You'll have patience. You'll have what you need. And what I love about the fruit of the Spirit is that it's a blessing to other people around you. It's not, you don't have joy just for you. It overflows. I love that scripture. His tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify His grace. He gets the credit. He gets the credit. And this unfolding plan brings Him great pleasure. Another um, quote from somebody else I like. He's different than Dwayne Sheriff. He's actually got regular hair, normal, normal hair. Let me find it here. Man, I like your iPad, but thanks for letting me use your iPad this time. Oh, excuse me, it's not an iPad. It's a Galaxy tablet. If you know Shannon, you know Shannon is not an Apple guy. This is a Galaxy tablet. Thank you for letting me use a Galaxy tablet. How does growth take place? Growth needs three components, according to Dr. Henry Cloud. Growth equals grace plus truth plus time. Any of you ever had grace and no truth? Any of you had truth and no grace? Any of you had grace and truth and no patience? Grace plus truth plus time. Think back to that fruit. The trees mature enough to bear fruit, but the fruit is not ripe immediately. What happens inside that process? It's still connected to the tree. Anybody picked something too early? Ugh. When it's connected to the mature tree, it continues to be nourished and filled, become sweeter and sweeter and just more like, I guess, the fruit of the Spirit. Grace plus truth plus time. Dr. Henry Cloud talks about grace being the external contribution. That means not relying on yourself, which is exactly what our definition that we know is grace. It's his ability working in me. I have to say yes to that though, right? Because I can, I can easily say no to that. By default, the answer is no. When James 4 verse 7 says submit to God, there's a reason he says submit to God. Because by default, you're not. By default, you are sovereign. Meaning, you are the one who decides. You actually have to relinquish your sovereignty and say, I submit to your lordship. Right? Submit to God. Resist the devil. Now listen to that. There's a bunch of people that would rather submit to the devil and resist God. They don't have a fun life. Okay. What is the difference between a convert and a disciple? Throw out some ideas. 
What's the difference between a convert and a disciple? You guys know this. Man, just throw out something. What is a convert? Do they believe? Does a disciple believe? Is a convert sitting on the hillside waiting for a meal? Oh, is he following Jesus around and saying, no, tell me a little bit more about that. Explain to me when you said that, what does that mean? Is that a disciple or a convert? I'm so intrigued to think there were 5,000 people plus that ate fish and loaves, and then a couple weeks later, they were nowhere. They were not in the upper room. They were not at the cross. They were nowhere. Maybe they were on the day of Pentecost. Maybe they were in the marketplace and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. But just because they heard Jesus teaching, experienced miracles, did not make them a disciple. Do you become a disciple by accident? Jesus said, come and follow me. And most of them said, okay. And they left whatever they were doing and followed him. There's an account of a rich young ruler who said, I have done everything. I have kept everything perfectly. I deserve a gold star or a trophy or an iPad. And Jesus said, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you own and give it to the poor. Why would Jesus tell him that? Does everybody have to sell everything they own and give it to the poor? No. But Jesus perceived that that was his excuse. That was his security. That was what he ended up choosing. And the Bible tells us Jesus loved him, but he walked away. He did not follow Jesus. Is it possible to know about Jesus? Yes. Is it possible that people who know about Jesus will not go to heaven one day? Is it possible that people who perform great miracles and acts of uh, demonstrations will not go to heaven? What makes the difference between a disciple and an imposter? Yeah? Being connected to the vine. Being connected in life union with him. What I love, again, with the picture of the fruit, you're not just called to be a convert but to become a disciple. And then we think, I'm a disciple. Woohoo! I'm a disciple. I'm going to Healing University. I go to church more than once a week. Guess what? None of that counts for you. It's a good place to eat. It's a great place to fellowship. But it doesn't do any good if you're doing it for fake fruit show are you doing the root work are you letting the truth that you hear when you're in church actually not just go la 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 like the kids on the couch when you tell them to switch off the tv 
Are you sitting on your couch and watching a show right now? Or are you hearing God saying to you, I've got more for you and me? Because he's got more for you and for me. I want more. But not more of what I think is more. More of what he says is abundant life. I don't want to chase the things that I know are going to choke the fruitfulness down the line because I'm worried about everything or I'm chasing stuff that I don't need to be chasing. I want more of his more. His fruit grows much more abundantly than mine. I'll end with this story. My dad was a farmer, um, grew corn. In South Africa, we don't call it corn, though. We call it millies. It's the same thing, exactly the same thing. It grows on a stalk and it's got an ear and all that fun stuff. And uh, if you bought the good kind of seed and planted it in nice rows and made sure it got fertilized and hoped there was enough rain because we did not have irrigation, you would get a crop from the seed that you planted. And then you would have this big fat ear of corn that had now produced probably 300 kernels from one. And you would harvest it. But sometimes you didn't harvest the corn and the whole cob would fall onto the ground. And if somebody didn't pick it up, guess what's growing in that spot next year? 300 stalks. And guess what? They don't thrive. Why? Because there's no space. There's no place for it. They can't get their roots down. They can't get the nourishment that they need. They're in a holy huddle. Actually, they're not in a holy huddle. They're in a moldy huddle. God doesn't have you at this church for any other reason than to be in a relationship with you, to provide nourishment for you, to make an invitation to you, to be able to go and make disciples. My dad never did this, but I know farmers who did. They would pick up that corn, take it off of the cob, put it in the barn, and plant it next year on purpose. They were making disciples of their corn. And obviously, they only took the best stuff. They didn't take the, you know, those cobs that look like they hillbilly teeth. You guys know those cobs? They didn't do that. They got the best of the best. I believe God has been pouring the best of the best of the best into your life. It's not me. It's not Shannon. It's him who's trying to get the best of the best of the best to you so you can get the best of the best of the best in you. And then, guess what? It'll just happen. If you will let God, if you will say yes, watch the maturity just happen. Now, you can resist it. You're allowed to. Mm. What was that scripture? Resist God. No. Submit to God. Resist the devil. By default, your default's already set to resist. 
So my invitation to you today is, will you surrender? Will you submit? Will you say, I want more of your more, not my more. I don't want more confusion. I don't want more anxiety. I don't want more frustration. I don't want more bad relationships. I don't want more stuck in poor choices. I don't want more misery. I don't want more sickness. Father, today, we bring our hearts to you, to you. Because you know what's in our hearts. You know what we're dealing with. You know exactly where we're feeling stuck. And Father, I thank you today that you're bringing both the grace and the truth and that we are prepared to walk through time to receive that harvest. I thank you, Father, that as I let you live in me, you produce fruit that is sweet for me and everyone around me. Father, today, I'm going to invite each one of you to pray this prayer with me. This is your prayer, if you would. Father, thank you that you are more than enough for me, that I can be maturing, that I can continue my walk, that I can continue my fruit bearing, that I can continue experiencing more and more and more of this abundant life because you are not done with me yet. I thank you, Father, that I'm not disqualified for being slow to start and I'm not at the end yet. That today is a new day, tomorrow is a good day, and that you have got good things in store for us. Amen. Amen. If there is something that you want to agree with one of our prayer ministers with today, I don't care what it is. Maybe you say, I don't like that message and you need prayer for me. Come ask them to pray for me. They'll pray for me, right? You guys will pray for me. You guys will pray for me, right? If you say, I'm done with sickness, I'm done with anxiousness, I'm done with whatever it is, I want more of your more, God. Then I want you to invite, I want you to, I want to invite you to come up to the front here and come and pray with one of our prayer ministers. Don't go home today hungry. Oh, wait. I just remembered. Today is the fifth Sunday. So don't go home unless you're going to go and bring something from your, from uh, Publix or whatever else. We're doing a potluck after church and you're invited. If you don't have food, you're still welcome to come. I'm sure we've got plenty of food. So you want to close this out, T? Praise God. Let's thank God for this message. Amen. Thank you, Father. And then let's give my sister a hand right here. Praise God. Amen. You know, it's not easy standing up in front of y'all. No. That's why we just really have to yield. I talk to the youth all the time. We have this thing that we call what's good, what's good, what's good. And they just share about something good. And some of them, you know, it's difficult just to just give something positive. But I just encourage them, listen, you're glorifying the Father and just thanking the Father about something good in your life. And so, you know, I just thank God that you yield to the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, but preparation precedes the blessing oftentimes. But, you know, once you get up here, 
it's one thing. So thank God for yielding to him, my sister, as you always do, and, and as Pastor Shannon does. So uh, as, as Karen mentioned, you know, don't miss out on this opportunity. Right now, right now is the time. There's no other time. Right now is the time for salvation, for prayer if you need it. Uh, just don't hesitate to come forward. And so we're going to ask everyone to stand as we prepare to dismiss. And just listen, we have for everyone an exciting afternoon that's planned. And there's going to be, or there is, plenty of food that's involved. And uh, so if you don't have to leave, don't leave. But what we are going to do, uh, gentlemen and ladies, but mostly gentlemen, uh, we're not going to touch this section right here, this front section, but the section that is behind that door, back we're just going to move those chairs out so we can place 10 round tables with eight chairs around each table 10 round tables with eight chairs around each table and uh, we are going to prepare to just like I used to enjoy when I used to go to church as a little kid you know oftentimes we'll do it outside but we'll just have church uh, have a meal after church and fellowship together and we're going to have a fun afternoon celebrating this fifth Sunday so as you uh, if you don't need to leave so we're going to go ahead and start moving those chairs and bringing those 10 tables out and put eight chairs around those 10 tables and food can go in the cafe, but we will not be eating in the cafe. Food can go in the cafe, but we will not be eating in the cafe. Thank you all so much. Stick around. It's going to be great. And come up for prayer. Come up for prayer, okay? Come up for prayer if you need prayer.